four hosts love their podcast, and they can't make that work, that's the real tragedy. Today we're talking about Gone Girl, starring Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, Neil Patrick Harris, Tyler Perry, Carrie Coon, Kim Dickens, Patrick Fugit, Missy Pyle, Emily Ratajkowski, Casey Wilson, and Scoot McNary, directed by the one and only David Fincher. I am Ryan. I'm Brendan. And I'm Logan. And we are down a mat today. But that is okay. We are we will carry the torch. He is our Gone Girl this week. Yes, he is. He is. He is our Gone Girl this week for our He's review our of Gone Girl. Um, this week's Goo Gone. Uh, I'll just spoil it up top. I know that if you look at uh, Matt's letterbox review, he has a very high rating for this one. So we're a little bummed out that he couldn't be here to talk about this movie that he loves. But he does love the movie. So if you want to know if all of us recommended it, that's a recommendation from him. Um, I'm sure he'll talk about it uh, on the next show that he's on. But, guys, before we get into Gone Girl, um, kind of a big thing in uh, Fincher's career happened between um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and um, and uh, uh, Gone Girl, uh, which was House of Cards, which um, oh. actually is a show that I just started rewatching um, last night uh, in preparation to talk about it um, today. It's a show that I watched while it aired for seasons three through five only watched like half of season five and then I was slowly getting through it and then everything with Kevin Spacey happened and I was like you know what maybe not I'll stop um but hey man you're rewatching I, I do cards I'm watching Dragon Ball we are not the same very true um but I was I was writing a uh, uh writing out a presentation for an elections class and I knew we were going to be talking about House of Cards today so I was like I had started rewatching it last year and stopped again because I'm just terrible at watching TV shows um but, yeah, it's, it's a show that I recommend. I think it's a really good show. Um, obviously, if you don't want to watch it because Kevin Spacey is the main character, don't totally it. understand that. Uh, don't watch it if you don't want to. Um, but I really like it. I think the first season is some like of the best TV that I've ever seen. I love season one of House of Cards. Um, and the two episodes that Fincher directed, he, he executive produced the show and directed the first two episodes, are just so good, so, so good. So I, I recommend it to anyone who is comfortable with watching a show starring Kevin Spacey, um, which obviously everyone should should uh, know about going into it uh, with a recommend, uh, you know, a little asterisk next to the recommendation. But the show is is really interesting. Um, the only downside of the show, I would say, right now, um, or kind of right now, ever since, um, besides the Spacey stuff, is that like our politics are so fucking wacky yeah. as it is that it's kind of hard to watch a show that's trying to be like more outlandish. Mm. You know that's, what I'm saying? So. Well. <laughs> Well, and, and the, the writers even said that, like, writing seasons five and eight, uh, six were, like, during the Trump time, and they were like, we don't know how to outdo this guy. Like, we're <laughs> supposed to, like, have this, like, we're ending up being more realistic in these two seasons than what's actually happening in the actual politics, so. Um, so, yeah, David Fincher, have you guys seen the start of House of Cards, the episodes that Fincher directed? I have not. I have not. Nope. So, yeah, I think they're really well done. Um, he gets excellent performances out of Robin Wright, who he's obviously worked with before, Kevin Spacey, as he worked uh, worked with before in Seven. And uh, as we mentioned last week, uh, Rooney Mara's sister, Kate Mara, is one of the main characters in Season One. Oh, cool. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of carryovers from Fincher, Fincher's career goes into, uh, goes into that show. And I guess uh, before we talk about Mank here in about a month, I guess we can touch on Mindhunter, which apparently is over with, according to David Fincher just the other day. Oh, um, really? Yeah, uh, just the other day he said that it's probably not going to ha- season three is probably not going to happen. So we can talk about uh, a little more of Fincher's uh, TV career there. Uh, full trailer for Mank just came out, guys. Did you guys get a chance to watch it? 
I watched. I've not watched me. the full. Yeah, I've not watched the full version, but I saw the, the ad teaser that came on YouTube. Yeah. Looks so good. Can't wait to talk about it. Um, it's gonna be a really interesting show. We're also reviewing Citizen Kane the week before it, so that we can kind of uh, get some more context for that. And I'm so nervous for that review. But uh, going into Gone Girl, guys, what was your background with this uh, this story? Did you know about the book? Did you know the twist? Did you know about you know all the Oscar buzz when it came out? What was your background with Gone Girl? Yeah, um, I, I I had a little bit of you know knowledge of its existence. I. I, I was aware of the book. I think, like, my mom read it or something. Or maybe it was my dad. It was a know. huge hit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really big. And I, I remember it being super popular. And I remember when we were talking about... Uh, or when we were looking to, to talk about the David Fincher movies and we brought this one up, I was... Uh, I was excited because I knew that there was... Uh, that it was a pretty, like, successful movie and that it was uh, really popular. Um, but I didn't know anything about the story, honestly. Um... I think all I really knew was like what the cover of the book looked like. That's kind of it. Yeah, I, I knew very little about this coming in. I knew that it was a book, but yeah, other than that, not not really that much. Yeah, and it was written by Gillian Flynn, who yes. uh, also wrote the screenplay then for this movie and has written other big things like Sharp Objects, which was a huge HBO miniseries a few years back starring Amy Adams. That got a lot of um, Emmy uh, attention, I believe. Um and yeah, she's she's a very well-respected author, and I think she, as we'll get into it, I think she did a pretty good job of adapting her own material. Anytime that a, a writer, like an author, adapts their uh, material into a script, I'm a little hesitant, um, but I think she did a really good job here because they're such different mediums. I, I wanted to bring that up, yeah. I, I think she, I think you can just tell, like, it was just kind of written by the same person. She understood the novel that she wrote really well, and she understood um, the screenplay screenplay that she wrote for sure so yeah how to get that into that format yeah yeah yep, i think it really yeah i think having the same person for both of those really benefited this movie yeah and, and thinking about it like fincher just keeps tying himself to really good writers mm-hmm. um so i guess we'll go into a, a mini plot summary here via 20th century fox on imdb and then we can talk about the movie in full spoilers full spoilers not for this little plot summary but right after Uh, On the occasion of his fifth wedding anniversary, Nick Dunn reports that his wife Amy has gone missing. Under pressure from the police and a growing media frenzy, Nick's portrait of a blissful union begins to crumble. Soon his lies, deceit, and strange behavior have everyone asking the same dark question, did Nick Dunn kill his wife? And before we get into whether or not Nick Dunn killed his wife... I didn't kill my wife. Before we get into what the movie actually, actually shows us what happened... For the first hour of this movie, it's definitely way up in the air. Yeah. Until the the reveal halfway through. What were your guys' thoughts before the reveal? Did you think that Nick Dunn killed his wife? I Before you know, the sorry, which which reveal do you mean? Before the cool girl reveal, where she reveals that she's alive oh, okay, and she yeah. was faking everything and all that. Yeah. Um also just texted my parents. My mom read the book and my parents saw the movie. Uh <laughs> But I, you know, it, like, it was really up in the air for me. I, um, I was pretty sure that, like, there was going to be some kind of extenuating circumstance. Otherwise, they were just playing a really long game for a really obvious payoff. Um, you know, knowing that this movie is two and a half hours. Uh, also, it, Rosamund Pike, why would she have a Best Actress nomination? Yeah, exactly. I was like, they're, like, you know, it, it's, like, it was very convincing uh, with, like, all the new stuff coming out that it was like, oh, maybe he did kill his wife. Um, <laughs> who's that fella? 
I bet he did kill his wife. <laughs> um, but I, I really, you know, I, I, I mean, it, it became more and more obvious as it went on that there was something else going on. Yeah, it's a, it's a very twisty movie. Um, I knew that there was going to be something else. I, I sort of figured she wasn't dead, but um, it's, yeah, I, I think the movie does a lot to dissuade us from uh, trusting either narrator, you know, either um, Nick or Amy for too long. Um, and I think that's really one of the strengths of the movie. It's, it's, the narrator is always unreliable, um, whoever is narrating. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. <clears throat> definitely. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I don't even remember. I saw this for the first time years ago, and I don't remember whether or not I thought that Nick had done it. I don't think I did because I think I knew that Rosamund Pike was like in the movie a lot. Um, just from being around the awards buzz in 2014, 2015. But it is, like you guys said, it is just such a well-paced, well-done movie that even though you know that she's probably not dead and that he probably didn't kill her, the way that Fincher and Flynn portray it, it, it feels so just full of tension. So I guess... I didn't ask this question, but guys, what were your initial thoughts on Gone Girl? Like, did it seems pretty positive to me? Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought that it was a really like it really kept my interest, and with like every new revelation that would like come out and and everything that would happen, it uh you know it really kept me on the edge of my seat. Uh, and then especially just the like the ending was so interesting to me. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, it um yeah overall overall I I feel very positively um towards this movie I I don't know I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a good way to word my issues I felt a little um, I, disconnected from it maybe at times I, I'm not really sure why um, it certainly doesn't I don't think that it gets much uh, emotional attachment and you know I don't think that it necessarily needs that I, I think Fincher doesn't usually really go for that um, uh, so yeah I don't know it's um, I think I expected it to um, you know, I, I talked about how how it does a great job with uh, playing with your expectations of an unreliable narrator, but I feel like it actually could have done that more. Um, I feel like there are a lot of details uh, where we find out that Amy, you know, wasn't... We're always finding out new things about her. And with Nick, there's pretty much the one beat where we find out that he was cheating, and um, that, that sort of makes us question, like, oh, is he telling the truth or not? Like, you know, what's... Like, that is basically our only moment of, of not trusting him. And then for the rest of the time, it's just her being like, yeah, I'm fucking a psycho. Um, I'm crazy. She's so scary. I'm just insane. Yeah, no, she's terrifying. So, I, I mean, we'll talk about it, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I feel like it could have gone back and forth a little more. It's uh, not a huge complaint, though. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> I agree with Brendan. I love this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Um it, it was a movie for me that I watched for the first time, again, for a while, back in the spring when the lockdown first started. Like I said, I went through a couple Fincher movies that I uh, hadn't, or hadn't seen for a while because of uh, the best of the decade, wanting to be prepared for that. And looking back on it, I almost, <clears throat> I don't know if I was just in the wrong mood watching it that time, but I gave it a 4 out of 5, which I was like, really good movie. But this time... Um, I don't know. I really clicked with this movie this time, and I think I might have even put it in my top 25 of the decade if I was doing my best of the decade right now. Um, I absolutely loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, all of the performances are so good. Probably the best I've ever seen Ben Affleck. Like, Ben Affleck is 
so good in this movie. Why did you say that and name? <laughs> and and not to say that Ben Affleck's not a good actor. Like I think that Ben Affleck's actually a really good actor, and I think you should. I I've plugged this movie before because I think it's really good. You should watch the Way Batman Way Back that just came out this year. No, not Batman v Superman. Even though he is really good as Batman. Um, uh, but the Way Way Back that came out earlier this year, um, super good movie, uh, and Ben Affleck is fantastic in it. I would love to see him get an Oscar nomination for it. But yeah, and um, and even some of these other um, actors that are in this movie who feel really out of place. Tyler and Perry? Tyler Perry. Fantastic. Gives such a great performance. I don't know why Fincher is able to, to tease this amazing performance out of, out of Tyler Perry. Just Well, Tyler Perry's actually a good actor when he tries. Yeah, yeah. He's just, I mean, it just seems strange that he is able to fit into such a, you know, all of Fincher's stuff is so self-serious. And it's it's odd to me that Tyler Perry is able to fit into that, but he really is. Also, like, like while Emily still being a fun character, though, is just feels like why is she in a very serious movie and why is Casey Wilson there? Like, but yeah. all of these people are so great. No, they yeah, did a really no. good job. Brian, also, did you mean The Way Back? Because The Way Way Back is a movie from twenty thirteen. Oh yeah, you're right. The Way Way, I I yeah, I messed that up. Sorry. I love both of those movies actually. The Way Way Back was in my top twenty five of the decade. Hmm. But, I need to yeah. rewatch that because I didn't like it when I was a kid. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I love... I I like both of those movies. I like the way, way back a little better than the way back, but... Yeah. No, yeah, no, I definitely agree with with you, Logan. Like, again, with what we said in Social Network, like, Army Hammer's, like, best performance because it's, like, a role made for him. This feels like it's a role made for Tyler Perry. Yeah. Like, and a role made for Ben Affleck, also. Like, like, it, it perfectly plays into the persona where, like, everything's very serious in a lot of... Fincher's movies, but we saw a little humor come in and, you know, the dark humor coming in the social network. But here, like, for Tyler Perry's character, like, yes, he wants to win this case, but this isn't life or death for him. This is his job. So he's still gonna have fun and have a good time and be charismatic uh, Tyler Perry. And he's just he's just this, like, breath of fresh air in this movie. He's so wonderful. And uh, Neil Patrick Harris, going way against type. Um, I think a little less successfully than the rest of the cast. Yeah. Um, I don't love him in this movie, but I definitely don't... I wouldn't say he's bad. I would say he's just, like, a neutral, like, a decent performance. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I don't think that he works as well. I think he definitely, you know, of of all of these um, actors who you wouldn't expect to see in, in a Fincher movie, I think he's the one who who fails to fit in as much, if, the, if that makes sense. He doesn't... Um, I think, you know, he's, he's good as always. It's Neil Patrick Harris. He's great, but... Um, yeah, I, I just don't think, I, I think you're right, I think he just doesn't quite blend in quite as successfully. Yeah, and it's, he's playing super against type, and like, I don't know, if it, it, it would almost, it's just not the type of role that I envision Neil Patrick Harris playing. Like, he normally plays, like, <clears throat> a very out there character, like, he'll, he'll be a very loud personality no matter what, and seeing him playing super reserved super quiet, kind of creepy, just didn't quite, I don't know, just didn't fit with, with the characters that he normally plays, and again, sometimes that works, um, but sometimes it just, it doesn't feel right, and I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who would have been, I think, better in the role, but, um, we can get into it a little more in specific scenes, um, but also, just one, one more other small supporting performance that I love, is, uh, for one scene is Scoot McNary, who, um, <laughs> Who's a, who's a character actor that I've loved in a lot of things. Um, I think he's fantastic in the one scene that he has. But, uh, yeah, performance is all around super good. Um, but let's start off at the beginning. Uh, you know, Ben Affleck <clears throat> goes over to the bar 
Um, great name. Uh, so to have a drink at 9 a.m. on a Tuesday with his sister, immediately showing you that he's uh, kind of a little bit of a deadbeat. And there's um, also a nice Volvo ad right right off the bat. Yeah, literally. Exactly. Product placement at all times, um, subtly. I was just watching, like I said, I was watching uh, House of Cards, and there was a, they were having a conversation in their kitchen. There was a massive box of uh, um, cereal. I forget what the kind of what the brand of cereal was. I guess it wasn't effective uh, product placement. Maybe there not. was just a massive box of cereal Bad turned towards the camera in the middle of their <laughs> island. But um, but Look I think I just cereal. have a bad memory. But um, if I'm being honest, but yeah, so uh, we get we get what I love about this kind of writing is that we get so much exposition here at the beginning, but again, it doesn't feel like exposition because we're meeting the characters and we're learning about the characters while it's happening. Yeah. Um, so this this opening conversation between Margot and, and um, Nick, I think, is just really good. And immediately, I like Nick. I think Ben, I think yeah. ben Affleck is a super charismatic actor. Um, obviously, as things go on, you learn different things about Nick and how he's, he's not, like, the greatest guy. He's not the smartest guy, but he's not a killer, which I think is what ultimately comes down to in this movie. Um, but yeah, what were you guys' thoughts on Nick and Ben Affleck in this movie? I thought he gave a really great performance. Um, he, he was really likable. Um, even with the things coming out about his affair, uh, I, I, you know, I still found that to kind of make him a more interesting character, um, just to see the different facets of, like, how is, like, you know, I, I always think it's interesting with the affair because, uh, you know, people say that if someone has an affair, it's not because of you it's because of their own self-esteem issues but like it seems like he was being controlled so much that i think it ends like uh you know it adds this interesting psychological layer to his character and the way that he's sort of like submissive to uh to to amy in some some ways uh but i i think that you know more and more we see his character develop and he, he just gets more interesting as the film goes on for me I agree. I think right off the bat, I think he's an extremely uh, likable character, and I mean, he just seems—he just seems real. I think in a lot of these opening yeah. scenes where he's—he's he's kind of trying to, um, we see him posing near the photo of Amy, and great moment. Like he—he he smiles because he's like posing for a picture, and he's like, oh, "I'm such an idiot. I shouldn't have done that." <laughs> like, it, like he didn't kill her, but like he's having to act like he didn't, which is almost harder than. Yeah, doing it act, act like, yeah. like you did. Um, we uh, is sidebar, but for those of you who are, who are listening to this, the three of us, along with you know, Matt and and a lot of our other friends, we play uh, Among Us. And <laughs> if you are not the imposter in a round, and you're a crewmate, and you have to convince people that you're a crewmate, that is sometimes a very hard thing to do. It's hard sometimes to, harder than convincing them when you are. Yes, it's the hard killer, to seem yeah. like you're telling the truth when you're actually telling the truth. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I think he's he conveys that, and he's very much, like, he just gets completely caught up in this insane media frenzy, and, um, yeah, I, I think I think he, like, as the everyman, really works for me, especially, especially like, the environment that we see him in. Like, this isn't really um, an aesthetic that I see very much in film. Uh, his neighborhood, like, it's not, it's not, like, an old-fashioned suburbia, um, that's no. very like idealized like it just it seems real these are like yeah, regular sized like houses he takes his trash out he like drives a an, an okay car i mean it's an incredible nice car. car it's a volvo um i mean it's a nicer than my car yeah i guess it, it is nicer than mine too but mine is almost as old as i am um 
Mine, mine is like two years younger than yeah, me. Yeah, mine's three it's years like, younger. Than yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. I mean, I think he's. I think he just. I, th- I he definitely works as the lead. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I love the beginning of this movie, the way it's structured. I love the the the, <clears throat> the structure of this movie, and I love the editing in this movie. I think it's so well done. This is also, if um, I can just jump in, this is also to my from my understanding how the book is structured. We start with mm. the, about the first half of the book is just uh, the Ben Affleck character talking, um, mm. and but so, then intercut with the flashbacks. What we learn is to be somewhat real and somewhat. I, fake I don't fa- think so. Flashbacks. I think it's just him. Like it's just his narration, and so we're like, "Is he? How much of the truth is he telling?" And yeah. then we realize, the last, the second half is either all her or it's kind of cut between the two of them. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, and then we sort of we kind of start to realize that he was telling the truth a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't mind reading the book at some point. Yeah, I'd if like I have to. the time. Yeah, but because I've heard I've heard it's fantastic, and I've heard Gillian Flynn's fantastic um, <clears throat> as a prose writer. But yeah, no, uh, I I love the way that that the movie is structured the way that we see things <clears throat> she disappears and we get to see the you know the the downfall of that or the, you know all the media frenzy starting up i think it's so good i love carrie kuna's go she is so good in this movie too along with ben affleck they have such great chemistry it's very hard i think for for actors to play siblings mm-hmm. on convincingly mm-hmm. and i think that they do it very well i think they have that dynamic down very well of being siblings because it's 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 one of those relationships, like, I feel like most, I, I mean, you two act more than I do, one of you especially. Um, I feel like it's always easier to be in a romantic relationship with someone on stage than a, a like, a, a family relationship. I don't know if you've, if you've felt that way, Brendan, but um, for me, it just always seems like those are the more convincing relationships, but here, I feel really convinced that these two are, like, known each other their whole life and are twins. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just, you know, um in terms of like just acting I, I think it's harder to fake that sort of connection um you know that you may not uh, you may not have had um i i didn't i've never had any siblings i've like i've played parents before um and it's obviously you know a thing i'm i'm 20 years old I've, i don't have a kid much less like a kid that's like the age that i am now high five high five I survived teen pregnancy, um, <laughs> but I like I, I think yeah exactly Logan hasn't yet. Um, the just in terms of like I could like a romantic, still get <laughs> you could it's, yes, it's a Logan danger could still get pregnant <laughs> that you're faced with. Uh, in, in terms of like uh, a romantic relationship, it's easy to kind of understand that connection because like as you know most people in some capacity have been there. Um, if you're like an adult and and you've just gone through life, you kind of understand what you know having a romantic connection with someone is like. Uh, but if you know you are an only child like me, and someone's like, "These are your siblings now," it's it's hard to be like, "Cool, I've never had a sibling. What's that like?" And because it's just so many years of uh, like. I don't know, being together and, like, having that relationship build up. But I, I definitely think, uh, in terms of this movie, that uh, that they do it very, very convincingly. Uh, yeah, this is sort of getting on a, on a, a little bit of a sidetrack from Gone Girl. This isn't super related. But, I mean, there were, there were times in high school when um, I had to play, you know, f- a, a family member to somebody. And I think that's, 
it's it's easy when you know the person really well. Um, so in the context of high school theater, you've been doing shows with these people forever. You've probably like gone I'm to elementary with school. Them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there is so much there, and so to be um, my, my senior year show, I had to play kind of like a. It, it was sort of like a father figure to several different um, characters, and and I found it pretty easy to just draw on like the personal connections that I had, and like yeah, I I I do deeply care for these. Uh, younger actors in a very like fatherly way, but I, I to bring it back to Gone Girl, I think that is probably very difficult when you are cast. Like, I don't know if if these two actors have ever met before, or if they're just have they ever no acted idea. before. Who knows? Um, but yeah, they knock it out Close of the park. Those good friends. Yeah, no, they're fantastic, and yeah, like I said, I was very impressed by <clears throat> their relationship more than really any other in this movie because it it kind of like. In terms of screen time, it is the central relationship of the movie. Um, yeah. In terms of screen time, like we see probably them together just as much, if not more, than Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I love the way that it is intercut then with these diary entries by um, fake diary entries. Par- well, partially real, partially fake diary entries from Amy, um, as we learn later. Um, and I love the way that that ties into the rest of the movie then when they when the police find the diary entries. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely pointing us towards Nick as it is supposed to. But um, I do take it until like they moved to Missouri. All of that stuff was real. Like them going, meeting for the first time, amazing Amy, you know, wedding thing, him proposing. I do take all of those scenes to have actually happened the way that um, she described them because I think that's what they said later in the movie. Like, there had to be truth in there for the lies later to make you know be convincing. Um, but what did you guys feel about this? This the, the way that the first hour or so of this movie is is paced and structured that way. Yeah, I, I thought that the the structure was really interesting. I would be super interested in actually reading the book to see how that played out. Um, it it does make you think, you know, like how much like did he really push her? Did like is that when it started? Like. You know, for her to get to this point, uh, there like there has to have been some kind of inciting incident that like made her start to get really paranoid about the relationship. But I don't, I don't know. think there was. You think that it I just don't think happened? he ever hit her? Yeah, I don't think he ever hit her. Push. I think. Oh, I, yeah. Didn't they say that in the movie that all of that was made up? Yeah, I think uh, so. I mean, I don't. I don't think he ever hit her or pushed her. I think that's. He does later on though. Yeah, he does later on. Well, yeah, after after he finds out that she is literally just like a homicidal man for murder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I at that know. point, you don't really feel too bad for her for him pushing her against a wall after she we watched her cut Neil Patrick Harris's throat like that. Oh my god, oh, that scene. We'll get there. Harris. Poor Neil Patrick um, Harris. Yeah, no, I think it's um, I think we honestly, it's kind of weird that we have more trust for Nick. Um, once we're not with him all the time like when we're just with him it's like he's the unreliable narrator we are um we're finding all these diary entries from her that are pointing to him and then he's acting strange with the media right and then once we actually get to her perspective then it's just like then we find out that the diary entries are fake he he wasn't like abusive or anything i i don't think i'm pretty sure it's it's implied that he's not so yeah it's um definitely definitely plays on your expectations and, and your trust of the, of the characters. Yeah. Yeah, and, and everything in this first hour before the cool girl sequence, <clears throat> um, 
I don't know. I think it's 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 damn near perfect. I love it so much. The pacing is fantastic. Like I said, I love the structure. I don't really have any problems with the first hour of this movie. Yeah. Um, but Logan, you said that you had some problems with this movie. Did it come in this first hour, or was it more later in the film? Yeah. So, I think the first hour to me, I I have basically no notes um, for the first hour. Uh, Which is a good thing, probably. It means you were sucked in, right? I mean, more so that just I, I felt like I didn't have that much to think about. Uh, I feel like it wasn't really, you know, I, I could kind of see what it was doing. It was, you know, we shouldn't trust anyone. But, like, was it really giving me that much to think about? And so I think for that reason, the first hour dragged a little for me. Um, just okay. I wasn't interesting. There wasn't like a super interesting idea for me for me to um, gravitate towards. And then once that cool girl sequence starts, as you're as you're calling it, it's um, I I think that really that really kicks into high gear. It really adds another dimension um, to things. Uh, I I think that's where it it really started to pull me in more. And I was like, oh okay, that's where this is going. Um, so yeah, I I would say. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't point out any specific problems in the first hour. I couldn't say, you know, uh, this performance is bad here, or here's, like, an, an inconsistency that I noticed or anything like that. For me, it just wasn't especially interesting. It was kind of, at that point, I was thinking, like, hmm. yeah, okay, this will be, like, a nice B or B- minus movie. Like, it's it's fine. It's not doing that much for me, but I think it's pretty good. Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Brené, did you have a... What, were, what was your reaction in the first hour of the movie? Did you have any of those problems, like, Logan, or were you pretty wrapped into it? I would say I was pretty pretty locked in, you know. Um, there, it, it held my interest. Out, um, just with each new revelation, I was interested to see how the mystery unfolded. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have that problem. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, especially because like the unreliable narrator thing for me really worked so well, and and this movie works so be- so much better on rewatch. I think. Mm where you know everything that's about to happen and just seeing all the little, like, crumbs that are being placed down. Um, I love the treasure hunt thing or whatever. Um, I, I love the way that we're seeing, like, Margot and Nick kind of try to, like, figure out where Amy is because they know she's not dead um, because obviously he knows that he didn't kill her, but also at the same time having the police try to find her but then also trying to pin Nick, pin it on Nick. I love that moment where... Um, I think one, one of my favorite scenes of the first hour of this movie is when he starts drinking and the police come in and he, you know, slams his glass and on the floor and says, I don't want to talk to you again without a lawyer, those kind of things. I love those scenes. I think it's it's so well done. And then, yeah, the introduction of Tyler Perry um, is, is so good. Um, Very interesting. It's just, it's so well done. And I, I love it a lot. And then... Also, like I said, I love that scene with Scoot McNary where we start to learn about, um, we start to get these, like I said, these little crumbs of, like, what is actually going on with Amy. Hearing that story, I think that was, that's before the Cool Girl sequence, right? I don't know. I'm actually not sure. Well, regardless. Regardless, it's still... It's a great scene. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I had forgotten that scene, but I needed to look up who Scoot McNary was, but, yeah, I, that was a really interesting scene, for sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of the first time where it's like, he says like you know, you know she's you're married to her, you're going through it right now. Like he when he's going through about just like how she just destroyed his life. Yeah. Um, totally normal that he just carries around pictures of her. Well, I mean, he was meeting with Nick. I mean, he okay. knew that he was meeting with Nick, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but I think the only person in this movie that, like, of the three guys that were involved with Amy that was creepy, or that was, you know, had weird interactions with her, I think Neil Patrick Harris's character, not he doesn't deserve what happens to him later in the movie, but he deserves kind of to be slighted by uh, Amy. Neil Patrick Harris is creepy as fuck in this movie. Yeah, he was, like, um, a creepy rapist dude. I don't really think... Yeah. People keep, like, in the reviews that I see, people are like, oh, poor Desi. And I was like, oh, I mean, there was, like, a very real chance that he would have raped her if he had the chance. Let's be real. Yeah. I, yeah, maybe. I say I poor mean, Desi that he's dead, not poor Desi that, you know, oh, I feel bad for him as a character. Yeah, I mean, like, he... He did... I, I definitely get what you're saying about, like, those interactions were creepy. He kind of... Like, he sort of just, like, walks up and, you. and he'll just kind of, yeah, like, like kiss her on the forehead or the cheek. But, like, then she actually fakes a rape. Like, that is not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's hard to, like, separate the fact that you know in the... Especially later in the movie, you know that she is, like... <laughs> One of the scare, like, you know how we were talking about with Norman Bates, you know, mm. you see these lists of, like, top ten, like, scariest movie villains? I feel like she should be on that. She's fucking yeah. terrifying yep. uh, in this movie. And it's almost like one of those things where it's like, you know that she is the apex predator in this situation. Like, she will do what she needs to do to, um, to you know, get out of this situation and, you know, do what she has to do. At the same time, like, the other person that she's there with that she eventually kills is also, like, a terrible, scary person in their own right. So it's, it's kind of... It's, it's like the thing with David Fincher movies. Like, no one's an actual good person in these movies. Except maybe Margot is probably the only good... Like, just true good person by the end of this movie. Um, I might be missing something. That uh, what's, what's Neil Patrick Harris's character's name? I don't remember. Desi. Desi, Desi yeah. What... What did Desi do? Because I, I feel like I'm missing something with this conversation. He, um... Apparently, according to her, I guess. Well, and all... Uh, she He was going to, um... When they broke up, he would, like, stalk her, apparently. She said that he would stalk her and threaten her and, uh, tried to kill himself in her bed. Oh, yeah. but well, I assumed that... And was that, institutionalized. That I assumed that that was right? just part of, like, her story about him coming to the door and... I don't know. I don't think that we can take that. Too. I think this was previous. But again, yeah, yeah no, you're super, you're super right. That like, I mean, we learned. I mean, obviously from Scoot McNary, which we're assuming that he's telling the truth that he didn't actually do anything, considering that she, be, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly, considering what we know about what she's doing to Nick. Um, yeah, it's it's debatable of whether or not he did those things in the past. I will say that the the behavior we see from him late in the movie does lead to, like, you lead you to believe that he could, he was capable of doing those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I guess let's get to the cool girl sequence. This big reveal, um, were you guys shocked, uh, to see this? Uh, what, what were your reactions to this awesome cool girl monologue to reveal that Amy is still alive? I wasn't super, like, you know, it, it was it was a, an interesting twist, but my reaction was just more "oh shit" than than like "what?" Like what's happening? Because um, it it kind of all clicked into place as as soon as yeah, as soon as that happened. Yeah, I was surprised that she was like driving the car. Like she she had agency in this situation because I mean they basically just painted as a kidnapping, right? Like they mm -hmm. they kind of they want to make it seem like she's still alive for the most for the first part of the movie, um, which she is, and she's been kidnapped. So I wasn't really thinking that she was dead, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to have her driving the car, and then it, her explanation of it of what she wants to 
Like, how she just wants to completely ruin Nick's it's life. chilling. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's really, I mean, like, we see, is this when we see her with the crime scene? Setting up the crime I scene? I think so. That yeah. is insane. I love... Like, draining the blood, like, you need to bleed a lot. Yeah. Like, the, oh. She would have passed like, out. Let's be real. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, just that whole sequence, just how well thought out it was, absolutely psychotic. It's like... You, but then also, like, to know well enough to put, like, the ca- the pictures back up to make it look like it was, like, Ben a- or Nick who framed, you know, yeah. cleaned up and, like, framed. Oh, it's so good. To do it, so but smart. do it badly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's wild. Um, yeah, that's a that's an incredible sequence. Um, yeah, I just think, like, her kind of spelling out her entire evil plan <laughs> is, is really entertaining. Yeah, and, and we haven't really talked... We talked about all the other actors in this movie. We haven't talked about the person that got an Oscar nomination. Like, yeah. Rosamund Pike is so damn good in this movie. She's so hateable. Very I hate yeah, her at every turn. She gets robbed and then she's by the people at the trailer park, and then she starts crying, and I'm like, good. 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 Yeah. That's what should have happened. fuck you. That's like a... That's like an eighth of what you deserve. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, Brendan, what were your thoughts on Rosamund Pike in the second half of this movie? Yeah, I mean, she was she was very scary. Uh, there was a lot of, like... I was interested to see how she would be able to keep with her plan. I, You know, she dyes her hair and, like, gets new clothes, but it's not really, like, all that different. Yeah, I, so I, I felt was, like she kind of looked the same. I was, like, she I She tries... Like, I think she's trying to, like, get fatter, right? Because she's eating all the candy all the time. Yeah. Right? It's just, like, I... Okay. But yeah, like, I thought I'll start that pounding candy. <laughs> start yeah. pounding I mean, candy. Um, it's 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 one way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with you guys. I I don't I don't really know if I was like cheering for her destruction at that point, but I was definitely interested to see, especially after the trailer park scene. Like, oh shit! Like that's a huge wrench in her plan. How is she gonna like play that off and 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 like course correct? Um, and lo and behold, she finds a way. But yeah, but but was that the plan all along? Because then she goes and stays with so. Desi, and then no, that was like not the plan. plan. No, okay. So she didn't because the original plan was for for her to kill herself and to like go through with it and hopefully have Nick be like executed by the state. Yeah. And in that initial plan, she was like, and then I'll put some rocks in my pocket and jump my jump into the river and die. Rocks in my rocket. I couldn't yeah. tell if we were supposed to be sympathizing with her, and I couldn't tell like how much for for some of the time. Like, I was like... As when soon as the cool girl sequence happens, I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, because I was like, when she starts crying there, like, what is that? Are you trying to make us care for her now, even though we've just seen all this terrible stuff? And, like, especially after we know that she, like... I, we're pretty sure that the abuse didn't really happen, all these kind of things. Like, the only thing that Nick did was, like, be a little bit of a deadbeat and cheat on her. Mm-hmm. Personally... Don't feel like that's grounds for you know framing murder. Well, right, and um, like he says the he says the thing in the interview later where he's like, I I didn't murder my murder my wife. But that doesn't mean that I'm a good person. Like yeah. yeah, he's not really like he's not a great person. He's not a great husband. Like he did cheat. That's pretty significantly awful. But like mm-hmm. he didn't like he doesn't deserve all of this. And she's so she's so clearly so much worse. Oh yeah, yeah no she's she's so scary in this movie it's terrifying Um, when she looks at the calendar that has all the sticky notes her entire evil plan oh my god my jaw dropped 
Well, and then right around that same time when she first gets to the trailer park, when she just, like, looks at herself and she's like, picks up a hammer and just goes, doom, and just smacks herself in the eye with a hammer. I'm like, this is next Jesus, level crazy. Jesus Christ. I feel like that would have probably gone through her skull, unless it was just, like, a tap. Maybe. It didn't look like a tap. She was like, Dunk. I know. I thought she was. I thought it was, she was actually putting it through her eye socket. Oh my god! And I was like, oh, I guess she died, but then she just didn't. <laughs> I don't think that would kill you. Putting a hammer through your eye socket from like a foot up, from like a foot up. I don't, I don't know. think it would kill know. you. Maybe. Maybe. Let's let's test it out. We'll find out. I don't know if <laughs> um, your brain would let you do that. You know? Yeah. All right, MythBusters. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, MythBusters, figure this out. Hit uh, us up, drop MythBusters. A hammer on your eye. But no, Brennan, that's, um, that's actually a very good point. Like, there's, you know, th- there's a story about how, like, you could you could theoretically your bite off your pinky finger if you wanted to. Like, yep. just like a baby carrot, but your brain will not let you. It takes... I love when they do stuff like this in films where it's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bring that... I, I was going to bring it around to another Fincher movie, and maybe you can think of the movie that I'm thinking of, but don't spoil it in case anyone listening to this hasn't seen that other movie. But, like, when they show, like, self-harm in that way, and, like, people doing stuff to themselves as if it's someone else doing stuff to them. Yeah. Does that clear it up for you? Yeah. I'll tell you off, Mike. Um, Okay. Yeah, no, my brain's blanking. Like, it's a very interesting thing. Like, you're showing a complete depravity. Like, it just... Their brain is not... Their brain doesn't work like ours, basically. Like, they don't have Mm -hmm. that instinct telling themselves, like, don't bite your own finger off. Don't hit yourself in the head with a hammer. Don't, Don't burn, burn yourself, yourself with acid. With chemicals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. like, it's a really interesting thing, I think, when movies show us that, um, especially in this way. I think it's it's really cool. David Fincher is very good at that. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and I think that... I didn't really have this as, like, like an upper, upper-tier Fincher movie for myself until this viewing, and I think it is. Honestly, I think this is oh, one of his best movies. Love it a lot. Um, but yeah, no, when she gets robbed by these trailer park people, I don't feel bad for her. But I have to say, the only thing keeping this from, like, a perfect score for me is probably the, this time where she's at the trailer park. Like, it loses me a little bit. It's just not as interesting as the stuff that's happening with Nick. So every time we cut to, to Amy with the trailer park people, I just don't... I don't know. It's just not as interesting to me. I don't know. Do you guys feel the same way? I mean, I think this is just something that kind of comes from it being adapted uh, from a book. Like, I feel like a lot of things that are adapted from from books, you're like, that was kind of like a weird amount of time to spend on that. Like, it wasn't really a huge deal um, in the end, but, like, it also wasn't... I don't know. Like She could have gotten they, robbed they, in a much simpler fashion. Right, but, like, I feel like in a book it's much easier to do that. Like, you kind of take... You take a couple chapters where someone is somewhere, and then they, like, move on to the next place, you know? Especially in something like this, where she's kind of on the run. Um, I think it's a lot easier to do that. So, I... I think that's just one of the things where... I agree with you, um, but I think that's just one of the things where when you're trying to translate it from a book to a screenplay, I think it's just a little difficult to do. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes feels a little awkward. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think you're right there. And, and it's one of those things where it's, it's not a huge deal to me. You know, it's like, okay, these scenes quite, aren't quite as interesting. It is, uh, I feel like it's not adding much to the story because, like, all of the effect that the media is having on, like, the story we're already seeing on the Nick side. Uh, mm. So we don't need to see this to see, like, oh, how are just normal people reacting to this huge news story? Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's important for her to get robbed so that she has to go to Desi, which is, you know, obviously a massive plot point. But, yeah, yeah. it just feels like it took too long to get there. Ren, did you feel that way? 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Also, I, I, I want to circle back. I don't think that going to Desi was part of her original plan. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. I wasn't sure if there was an actual consensus on that. But no, no, I don't. I think she, her plan was initially her initial plan was like to live out kill a little bit and, and then kill herself. And then get Nick. Yeah, but she had so much money saved up that she could do whatever for some time. But then also, when she gets robbed, she has literally nowhere to go, so she goes to Desi. Um, and she knows that she can pull this kind of shit with Desi, you know, frame him, uh, kill him in a very brutal fashion. Um, yep, some Sweeney Todd shit. Yeah, so let's talk about this shit with Desi. So obviously, like we said, Desi's a, a fucking creep uh, throughout all these scenes. And... Um, it's so, like I said, these scenes have such weird dynamics because you're like, oh man, he's being really creepy, but like, oh man, she's also fucking terrifying. Like, <laughs> I'm not really afraid for her in, in any way because I'm pretty sure she, she can handle herself, and she does. Um, but no, how did, you, how did you guys feel about, you know, when she goes to find Desi um, and, and Desi is doing all these creeper stuff with her? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of said before, I mean, the dude's a huge creep. I, I totally believe, like, all the shit about him, like, being a stalker, um, it, it, like, it would make sense, honestly. Uh, I'm interested to know, like, what their level of communication actually was, because, you know, he, he did write those letters, and she, uh, she obviously is using him when she says, your letters were the only thing that kept me going all these years, but, like, did she write him back? Like, I don't, I'm, I'm still not entirely clear on what that dynamic actually was. That's a good question. Yeah, I, um... I, I, one of the most interesting things about this to me is that Fincher doesn't... I think he wants to make it very clear to us that there is... I, I don't think there is that much gray area with the, with the Desi character because when he... When she's, like, faking the rape, basically she just needs to, like... We're getting very graphic here, but, like, she basically just needs to get his semen so that she can, like, fake it better. Yeah. Like, when she's doing that, she is literally saying, like, I want you, I want this. Like, so I feel, like, that's not him misinterpreting something, or, like, he is not forcing himself on her at all. Mm -hmm. She is saying completely, unequivocally, I want this, I'm consenting to this, and then afterwards she's like, no, I'm just gonna fucking kill you. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, so they just, like, didn't clean the blood off of her when she, like, was in the hospital. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what, an, what an amazing scene when she kills it. Like, the music no, in that everything, scene. God. Before we even get to the kill, everything at that lake house, the way it builds, like, okay, also tying mm. into the interview that he does, like, that's an amazing scene leading up yeah, to it yeah. and the interview itself as we see it on TV is awesome. Like, when he looks at the camera and he knows he's that she's watching and, like, seeing them almost, like, look at each other through the TV is just yeah. Oh, awesome. Love it. But then, yeah, no. When when she is actually, you know, she fakes the miscarriage, um, and then she does all the prep for, you know, to, to look that way, to have it look Oh, like- my God. Her, her crying in the bar and being like, I lost the baby. I'm like, oh, my God, you suck yeah. so much. Oh, I hated it. Ugh. Couldn't they have proved that, though? Also, like, the whole thing with, like, they could have also proved from her blood samples that she was pregnant, but there was just nothing. Yeah. Like, why didn't they? And also, well, like, yeah, and you can also, the the fucking, if she was only six weeks pregnant, the, the, the idiot neighbor was, like, much farther along than that. She could have faked 
they could have just figured out that she wasn't. Right, yeah, she was less probably. pregnant than the the <laughs> yeah than the urine sample suggested. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It seems like sometimes she gets off a little easy. There's a there's a scene with her uh, under the name Nancy, and she's she's watching the TV broadcast with with uh, Greta, who's the trailer park neighbor, about like about her disappearance. And they never. I was watching for it. They never during that entire broadcast show a picture of Amy. Really? Because if they had, then Greta would be like, "Oh, fuck, that's you." Yeah. Wait, what the hell? But they Wait, never. Where show did you it. say you were from? Yeah, <laughs> so they just never show. Yeah, it's just kind of an easy way out of it. But like, it's sort of it's something you don't have to deal with in a book because, of course, they're not going to show it. But like when you're watching for it, yeah. I think in every other broadcast they show a picture of her. Yeah, yeah. They could have made it a plot point and been like, there are no pictures of her because she led a secretive life or something. Like, yeah, I don't know. that's not. I mean, that's not real. I mean, no, Tiny we can't say that because of Amazing Amy, though, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which we haven't really brought up at all. Which is an interesting uh, dynamic with the parents. Um, mm-hmm. But no, yeah, and, and like I was saying before, the whole lead up to that, to the murder scene where she is kind of prepping herself to, to make it look that way, it's just so terrifying to watch. Like, just as soon as you realize what she's doing, you're like, oh, fuck, wait, what, <laughs> oh, God, I, it's almost too vulgar to bring up on the podcast, but what she does with the wine bottle Ugh. is just, oh, my God, I got, like, cringy, like, oh, that's disturbing to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But then the actual murder scene is so it's so well edited when she like they're they're having sex and then as soon as she gets you know what she needed just boom <laughs> box cutter the way like they like Which, fades on, fades Desi. the black fades in fades the black fades in the way like it's like going around the room as she, like he's bleeding out on her which is just a gross image and props to both of the actors for you know I'm sure doing that probably a couple times, uh, probably a really intense scene to do, but, uh, oh, God, really well done, but so gross. Yeah. Very gross. Very sweet and Todd, like I said. Mm. Yeah, and this this is a moment where I really love the music. I think throughout, uh, the music is, is very good. It, it, it feels like... Is this yeah, a, full, it, it, a full endorsement of the music, finally? This is a finally a full endorsement of the music uh, for for a David Fincher movie. I think he and, just, Ma- and I Matt's he, not even here. Matt's not here. Matt, if you're listening to this ahead of time, this is uh, this is this is a good one. This is one of the good ones. I feel like um, I, you know, unlike the Social Network, which maybe I need to rewatch that, and maybe the the moments where the music starts in that or those are important emotional beats. I felt like it was much more natural here. There was no. You know, the the track just starts like halfway through the scene, and it feels like it doesn't really match up. No, it it always felt like it was uh, in perfect harmony with what was going on on screen, and it felt like there was lots of communication between Fincher and uh, Reznor and Ross. It, it I think they did a great job on that. I I feel like I really felt like it was a collaboration between the three of them, which is always what I love to see and hear. Yeah, I love the music in this movie. What do you think, Brennan? Yes. It's very good. I, I was about to say I didn't try and Reznor do it. Um, yeah. You know, just after, this is our third week with him, so very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, I think he, I, I don't know if he's doing the music for Mank. I'll have to look that up then. Um, but hey. yeah, no, I agree. These these three scores have been really good, and this score complements it very well. Um, I do love how, like, everything is climaxing when she, no pun intended, when she kills oh. <laughs> 
I did not uh, do that on purpose. Um, uh, when she kills him in terms of the police unlike investigation. Unlike this movie takes a long time to climb. Yeah. Um, this is very, he, he does come we, very we gotta We gotta move past that somehow. Um, nope. But I love how everything is coming to a front uh, with uh, with the investigation coming with Nick. Coming to a front. God damn God, it. Brenda. Um, <laughs> but that, that moment where she, you know, just drives into the... Um, drives into the, you know, the potted plants or whatever on the side of the driveway, comes out all bloodied in her elegant silk dress, falls into Nick's arms, and he just says, you fucking bitch, or something like that. Um, It's like, have you guys ever seen the photograph of, um, of, what the fuck, why am I forgetting JFK's wife? Jackie Kennedy? Jackie, Jackie yeah, Jackie. Um, the the picture of her on the day that JFK was assassinated, and she has like a white dress with like red uh, spots. Mm. It's like it's like red polka dot. It looks like it's like almost yeah, a pink yeah, dress. Yeah. And yeah. but earlier in the day, there's a photo of her just wearing a white dress, and it's like that's not a pink dress. It's just like his his blood later in the day. Oh shit! There's a there's like photos of that. It's absolutely wild. But yeah, when she first steps out from behind the from behind the car, it looks like she's just wearing like a black dress because it's so heavily blood soaked. And then she like you see the bottom part that is still white, and you're like, oh yeah, that shit was white. I remember. Oh shit, that's Desi. That's the same thing. Yeah, right. that is, that part is pretty wild. It's just I. Lo- it, it's the tiniest detail, but like we can talk about the tiniest details with Fincher all day. Yeah, and what I love so much about Rosamund Pike's performance was. I think was I think thinking back on it was what I didn't click with the second time I watched it that I was like not fully in on Rosamund Pike's performance here at the end. This last half an hour, like twenty minutes that she comes back, she is when she is not with Nick, she is hamming it up to the max for the cameras. She's like, Oh, I'm gonna fall into my husband's arms and when she's being <laughs> interviewed by the FBI and the detective character, she's gonna just play this like Oh, woe is me, you know. I can't, you know, I can't. once she asks a tough question, oh, I'm feeling funny, like, you know, those kind of things, where you know that she's acting, uh, the the character is acting, then it's just like, oh, uh, I don't know. But this time it really worked for me, that the way she hands it up for the cameras, and like I said, I love, I think one of my favorite lines in the movie is, is when Ben Affleck catches her and says, you fucking bitch, in her ear. Just like, it just feels like this whole culmination of the whole, like, of their whole relationship, of everything that had happened so far. And it was the time where Ben Affleck should have uh, Nick should have kept with that that mindset shouldn't shouldn't he have he had, should not have backed out on that mindset. Um, but yeah, what, what were your guys' thought process uh, when when she comes back and and we see that interview in the hospital and and all this stuff at first when when Nick is still like no we need to prove that she is crazy. It's interesting because they say uh, she's on a lot of painkillers, but it's like. How was she able to lie so well on all those painkillers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She's just a really good liar. Apparently. Um, I mean, she is. No, I um Yeah, I, if I have a if I have a second issue with this movie, I think it's that the this ending sequence just takes a very long time. Like we I remember talking about with Hitchcock uh and and just all old movies, but he Hitchcock was the oldest movies that we've talked about so far. Um, but, like, there's not really any resolution at the end of the movies. Pretty much, like, mm-hmm. the climax happens, 
and then you get like a shot of people being okay, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and this no falling action, I've, right? No falling action. I feel like this has so much falling action because I did feel like her, either her killing Desi or her coming home. I mean, they were back to back, so one of those two, I feel like I would say that's the climax. Probably her coming home. I would say so because yeah. it's called Gone Girl. Yeah. So coming home, I would say, would be the climax. Um, it feels like there's a lot after that, and maybe if I knew. Um, if I knew that ahead of time, if I had read the book, or if I had just seen the movie before, I would be more okay with that. But it just feels like, it feels like it comes to an end, and then they have so much of this of this uh, falling action. It's just, um, it go- it goes on for a long time, and it's very like, it's kind of more of the same, but the stakes aren't quite there because he's not actively, you know, under investigation. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's that part just. It just dragged for me a little bit. There's nothing super wrong with it, but yeah. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, I can see what you're saying there, but what I really enjoy about it is that this last 20 minutes, you have to... There has to be enough time for Nick to convince to convince the audience that Nick would stay with her. That mm. all these things are going to happen mm. that get to the point where we believe it at the end when, you know, they stay together and she's pregnant actually for real and those kind of things things and I feel like we have to be with Nick long enough to not to accept the decision but to like be like damn like this actually is happening like like that scene in the shower um is is I love it when she goes into the bathroom um uh I I referenced it myself for once um but that that scene in the bathroom I think is 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 really really well done where they have that conversation he is obviously so standoffish with her that he's not even like getting within he's socially distancing himself from her um <laughs> he's not even in the water yeah no he he, he must not be cold not. right like just standing there naked you gotta be cold my guy um shrinkage is an issue yeah it maybe not for ben affleck um <laughs> maybe he doesn't have to worry about that um but uh no, and just like the way that the way that they slowly come back together, um, in terms of a couple, it's just it's so. It makes you like dislike Nick then too, right? Because he just can't stand up for himself and actually like you know do anything about it and get himself out of this relationship, and he kind of becomes complicit in what she did by the end of this movie. Um, so I don't know. What were you guys' thoughts on Nick? You know, going back with her at the end of this movie and not not getting himself out of the situation. Do you feel like it's do you feel like it is like in Psycho where we all have our own private traps and Nick can't get out of this one? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. I think just the idea of him not abandoning his kid is so like powerful with him um, that it, it, it you know it makes sense that he wouldn't. Uh, I feel like there was probably ample opportunity for him to figure something out and and try and like I don't know. There's like things for that there's like hotlines so that you can call and be like yo my spouse is like abusive and crazy can you help me mm-hmm. um she killed a guy she killed a guy she admitted it to me she cut a bitch I, I mean just being like i'm scared to be in my own house i feel like is is something that like maybe it's a like toxic masculinity pride kind of deal but he could have said something yeah yeah do i might have missed this is it his kid it is. She took his sperm sample um, from when he was at the... I was reading about this because I was okay. confused. But she stole his sperm sample and used it to impregnate herself. I think Jesus, there is also so enough of an argument to say that maybe it's Desi's. Within the context of the movie, I'm saying. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, that would be because, different I mean, from the book. Let's, I mean, but, not to be... Right before she cuts the throat, she, you know, it needed to have semen there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I guess we don't really know. Um, in in the context of the movie, I don't think it's specified. Brendan, I'm, I assume you're speaking to the book. No, I, I think it's... Well, I mean, oh. I was I was reading about it online because I was confused okay. about that part of the ending. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it's written by the same person, so I'd sure. assume that if it's... If it's one thing in the book, I I feel like she would probably keep it the same for the movie. Sure. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I think she just kind of forgot to be specific when writing the screenplay. That's maybe. my take. I Who knows? I have one question for you guys. So obviously the main reason that he stays is to to take care of the kid, right? I feel like there is that secondary in the back of his mind when she says like, "You don't want an ordinary girl, no way." Like you you want this as much as I do. I kind of think that she's right. Um, mm. So do you guys think that... Do you guys take it that he stayed only for the kid? Or do you think, uh, like me, that he stayed also because he wanted to stay with her? Up fascination. Yeah. Maybe. I, I think I feel like it. Yeah, I feel like it could also be, um, like, that he would fear for his life if, if he left. Yeah. You know, like... I mean, I don't think um, I'm forgetting what uh, what Scoot's character was named. Yeah, I forget what Scoot. I forget what his character's name too. But I think we got the sense that he kind of he sort of tried to deny Tommy her O'Hara. Maybe yes, Tommy O'Hara. I think maybe he he might have tried to leave her or something, and and she, you know, freaked out and like faked a rape. And I feel like I feel like maybe Ben Affleck is is concerned about the same thing. He's either concerned about uh, her faking something like that or. He, he's. I mean, he could legitimately con- be concerned for his own life. Like, if he leaves, where will he be safe? You know, yeah. is she just going to find him and kill him? But also, he's not mm-hmm. safe in the house. Like, I don't know if there's any real safe option for him. Well, it it's kind of goes back to the line at the end of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo where, uh, you know, Stellan Skarsgård is like, you know, you are more afraid of being rude than, for, than saving your own life, than fear of death. Mm. Right, Brendan? Um, and... Yeah. I feel like it kind of comes back to that a little bit, too, where, like, he is more... At first, he's like, you know what, fuck the media, I don't care what they say about me, I'm gonna leave her. But once the kid comes, and then it's like, well, okay, I've got a kid, and what will the media say, and I kind of like the... I'm, I'm assuming I kind of like this crazy sex that we have. Um, like, it, it just kind of feels like all these things start piling up, and then, God, I think Carrie Coon's best moment of the movie is when she's sitting in her kitchen just saying, you're not... You aren't gonna leave, are you? Like, you're gonna stay with her, and just that... That crushing defeat, it feels like for her. Because that's us at this point. It's like, oh my god, this fucking idiot's not going to leave her. Like, I, I think yeah. that that's some of the best acting in the movie by her. I think she's, I mean, I think she's fantastic in the whole movie, but that scene specifically yeah. is, is so yeah, powerful. And, and that's a moment where we can really see as a sibling how heartbreaking it is to, oh my god, they're, you know, he's not going to do what's best for him. He's going to make this dumb mistake, and I. I can't really stop him. Mm-hmm. And, and again, she, and she you see how sit, much she cares. Yeah, she has to sit there and watch. Like she says, like yeah. you're my brother, you're my twin. I'm not gonna like not be a part of your life now. But like I have to sit here and watch you do this to yourself for conceivably at least 18 years. The way that he said, like I need to be there, um, which I can't imagine. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. And and the the ending of this movie too is just it's so well done when it, it brings the movie full circle with that same shot as the first one. And uh, just like, what are you thinking? The trash can. Yeah. No. Mm. 
Taking out the trash? No. No, with uh, her laying on the, his chest oh, and yeah, she yeah, looks yeah, up at yeah. him. But also, I, I like that he's taking out the trash again. Just yeah. in this circular imagery. Yeah, no, for sure. The whole movie, it, it is, like I said... Time to take out the trash. Super well-structured. I love the way that this film's structured. In, but, you know, yeah, the, the way that this movie leaves you on that last shot of just what are you thinking while she looks at him is just like, oh, he's like, ah, God, is she going to kill him? <laughs> And I think it's kind of a, a nihilistic outlook on relationships from Fincher here. Yeah. Because, like, it, it shows that after everything that happened, all of this insanity, she lied about so much. She tried to frame her husband for murder. She, like, escaped and tried to uh, have a new identity. She, like, faked so many rapes, and then she murdered a guy. Uh Simultaneously, while faking a rape, so that's a double whammy. Double like, after, whammy. After everything that happened, like they're still just back to like regular everyday life, and now the now the media is gone. I think it's a, um, it's it's a very uh, nihilistic statement about um, marriage. Maybe Who hurt about David Fincher. This dude has Who such hurt? bleak outlooks on any sort of romantic <laughs> relationship in any of his movies. But I, I, I want to talk about the media because it's it's a presence that sort of drives this thing throughout the whole throughout the whole movie. It never really um, takes center stage that we're like, now it's you know media time or whatever. But now it, it's it, time it's for always, the media. It's always this this presence that is there, and it sort of grows and grows. Um, you know, as as more media attention is is on this story. Um, one of my favorite lines is. Uh, and I think this illustrates kind of how um, cancel culture and that sort of thing happens today. Um, but when when Nick says, first they disliked me, then they liked me, then they hated me, and now they love me. Like, public opinion just changes so fast, and people just dogpile onto whatever, like, the popular thing is. Like, if I woke up tomorrow and I saw, like, fucking, I don't know, I'm trying to think, <laughs> I was trying to think of some someone random, um... Let's just pick someone from this movie. If someone said, like, Neil Patrick Harris is cancelled, I'd be like, yeah! Neil Patrick Harris is cancelled! <laughs> like, that's just kind of how things work. And then if the next day, if people were like, nah, he's fine again, I'd be like, oh, okay, he's fine. <laughs> it's just kind of how it Kind of happened work. with James Franco, didn't it? Remember when he was cancelled for a couple months? Or is he, is he, did he get cleared of that? Or, like, I don't know. He's working still. Like, I feel like I haven't heard anything about that recently. There was a whole thing with Johnny Depp. Where, oh, well, that's a whole ass thing with him and Amber Heard. Yeah, oh my god. It's a whole god. can of worms and peop and people were like, "Oh, Johnny Depp is an abusive piece of shit." And then he was like, "No, actually I was the one who was being abused." And then I was like, I was with some friends recently and they they brought this up. They like brought up someone brought up Johnny Depp and someone was like, "Oh, that piece of crap." And I was like, "Wait, what did he do?" And I was like, "Didn't they wasn't that not true in the end? Yeah. But, like, yeah. that's still just, like, the public perception. Yeah, no, he, I, I think so, he has a lawsuit against her for defamation, doesn't he? Probably. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, the way the media works down. is, in the Go real down. world, is, I th I think, very similar to how it's portrayed in this movie. Um, and, like, th like that one reporter says, like, she just kind of follows the story. Mm -hmm. She just says whatever's going on. She doesn't really care if it's... Yeah, and this it's kind of amazing right. to see this pre-Trump you, mm. We found a way to bring it back to to Trump, didn't we? Um, but to, to like the way the media would just go as go, just have the foresight to be like, no, the media does this, and now we see that on a grand scale all the time. Where it's like the media will just uh -huh. go where they think their audience wants them wants to hear them say, you know. Mm. And I think that's very true. But 
and that's not me shitting on the media. I, I think, obviously, the media is a very important part of our culture, but and very important thing to have. But, yeah, no, it's definitely lampooning the media in some way, saying, like, you people just, you know, you do what you do what you quote-unquote have to, to to entertain people and to get people to watch. I think it's it's, it's lampooning more the, the the type of talk show, talk show person that that woman, is uh, Missy Pyle, Abbott. is playing, Ellen Abbott, more than just, like, yeah. straight journalism, I think, but... Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't think that it's an indictment of journalism on the whole, but I, I think that certain kind of, like, talk show uh, personality, it, it's very... Um, like, you don't have the whole story, kind of. There is so much that goes on in this story. And if you think about it, uh, when the media is there, it what they know is, oh, Nick's, uh, Nick's wife is missing. Did he kill her? No, he didn't kill her. She just came back. Like, that's all they got, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. There, there really was not that much more um, that they really got to see, even though there was so much more to the story. So, yeah, I think it's definitely... Definitely... Not an indictment of all of me, all of journalism and media as a whole, but the kind of shallow entertainment talk show news person. journalism, and I'm yeah, journalism, and I'm putting that in quotes. More entertainment than anything for, um, yeah, I mean, because it can and the effect it has on their viewers, yeah, yeah, in terms absolutely. of their public perception of what's going on, yeah, no, for sure, yeah, yeah no, I I totally agree. Uh, I feel like there, I'm missing something that I want to talk about, but it's not coming to mind. So is there anything else that you guys want to talk about with Gone Girl? I think we kind of covered it. All right. Uh, final yeah. thoughts and ratings. Brendan. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it, it really kept me on the edge of my seat and had a lot of really interesting twists and turns. Uh, some of the, you know, investigative pieces aren't completely accurate, and a lot of stuff is just like... Excuse me? Uh, a lot of stuff is just really left up to chance. Uh, but for the most part, I thought it was very entertaining. I really, yeah, this movie really knocked it out of the park for me. I'm going to give it an A. Yeah. Um, overall, I, I feel pretty positively towards this movie. I just, um, it's a little difficult for me to get behind some of the, um, some of the pacing and, you know, it's not necessarily, I'm not saying, uh, Jillian Flynn, you did a bad job. I'm just... You know, some things don't work as better. Uh, something as better. Jesus, what am I saying? Some things don't work as well in a movie as they do in a book. And um, you know, when, when you have the same person writing those two things, it's they're they're gonna try to make a more maybe literal interpretation. I I started out this podcast saying that it was a great thing that the book and the movie were written by the same person, but honestly, it might not be because there are certain things when you're making a movie out of the book that that you're going to need to adapt. Um, you're going to need to say, maybe I don't need to spend, you know, a proportional amount of time on her being in a trailer park. Maybe I need to cut that part since what do those people do for, for the story? Maybe she gets robbed somewhere else or something like that. I don't know. Um, but that, that's just an example. I'm thinking maybe it, it, it might've been, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and then there are just some, some things with the pacing, um, I, I don't necessarily love. I'm, I'm really torn on the rating here, um, cause, cause on a certain level, you know, I, I, I was struggling between a B plus or an A minus. I'm gonna go A minus. Um, I, I think this is, it's an interesting watch, um, for sure. It really plays, plays with your, uh, plays with the idea of an unreliable narrator, 
um, and then uh, just portrays just an absolutely disgusting, horrifying person. That that Rosamund Pike, I, I can't overlook that performance. It, honestly, Rosamund Pike is the one who, that bumps it up from a B plus to an A minus for me. I, I absolutely love the performance, and um, yeah, I, I, the score for once, you know, I think really spot on, really spot on. So yeah, A minus is final answer locking that in. Alrighty. Um, yeah, no, I I really love this movie, and I, I think I liked it the most this time of any of the three times that I've seen it. Uh, like I said before, all the performances across the board are really good. Neil Patrick Harris probably being the only one that's like, eh, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, Ben Affleck might be career best. Love Carrie Coon. Love Tyler Perry. Love Scoot McNary, the one scene, and then like you said, Roseman Pike really bringing it at home. Because uh, that, that is the key performance that you need to... You know, those two are so central, Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike. Uh, I love the dynamic between Carrie Coon and Ben Affleck. I love their chemistry. The direction by Fincher is fantastic. Um, it definitely has that bleak Fincher nihilism that, that we're accustomed to at this point, having talked about all of his movies now, other than uh, the one that hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I, love, I love what this movie eventually says about uh, marriage. It's a very bleak movie. Um, in my Letterboxd review for the time that I watched it earlier this year, my entire review on Letterboxd was just Marriage Story, um, mm-hmm. I think which would have been a, a, a good title for this movie as well. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I love the first hour of this movie. I love the way it builds. I love the suspense. I Like you guys said, unreliable narrator stuff is really, really good. I Yeah, I just, I love... I love this movie. I'm going to give it an A. I think it's fantastic and uh, definitely one of Fincher's best. It's probably second-tier Fincher for me. It's not, like, one of my favorite movie movies of all time, like Seven and The Social Network, but it's right below there uh, with uh, with um, with Zodiac of just being, like, ama- an amazing, amazing movie. So, yeah, we are – we're wrapping up Fincher for right now. Uh, we do obviously have Mank coming out in December that we will review when it comes out on Netflix. Um, just got to say real quick um, – Bravo to Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max are still releasing new movies and good new movies. Uh, it's it's been it's been great to still have a lot of a lot of quality movies coming out this year. Uh, big quality movies too, especially on Netflix. I mean, Netflix is just putting out some great stuff. Um, but yeah, so we're excited to be doing reviewing a new movie again sometime soon. You know that hasn't happened very often. But uh, we're starting a new series next week. Uh, next week, um, leading up to a movie that already came out this year, but it is a kind of a new release. Um, eventually, we are starting our Charlie Kaufman series uh, next week with uh, Being John Malkovich. We're reviewing what we're going to call the essential Charlie Kaufman. We're skipping a couple of his smaller movies. So we're going to be reviewing, for the next three weeks, we're going to be reviewing Being John Malkovich, Adaptation, and uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And then we're going to take some uh, take a break, and we are going to, I believe, after that, go back and finish up, finish up Citizen Kane and... Uh, and uh, Mank. I could be wrong on that one, but um, whole schedule kind of got knocked up yeah, because of Mank. Yeah, because Mank was supposed to come out in out. October, and then now it's coming out in December. Um, but regardless, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about Charlie Kaufman for a little bit. We're gonna get back to Citizen Kane and Mank, and we are also going to be doing another round of picks um, around Christmas time. So uh, our our schedule in terms of the movies we're gonna review is set until the uh, middle of January when we are going to be ending in the middle of January with uh, Charlie Kaufman's new movie, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is a film that uh, Logan, Matt, and I have already all seen and talked about privately, but we are interested to have that conversation um, eventually in January. But yeah, so we're going to be coming up on the pod. we got Charlie Kaufman, the essential Charlie Kaufman, our December picks, which are going to be somewhat holiday-themed, 
Um, I know my pick is. Um, and uh, we're going to also be doing Mank and Citizen Kane. So a lot of fun movies coming up. But, guys, what are some of the other shows that we have on this network? Uh, yeah, all of these shows are, are you can find on this very same feed with, uh, with varying regularity. But uh, we have the CTP Movie Journal, Matt and Ryan's miscellaneous short-form movie podcast featuring the best of lists. Stop Wait What, our improv comedy advice show. Back in Style, our newcomer-friendly episodic review of Twin Peaks. Twisted Mug Mysteries, your one-stop shop for everything spooky and occult. Octo Island, our extended universe Star Wars podcast series. And I Might Play That, our video game review podcast. Yeah, and you can also find us on social media, uh, specifically Twitter and Instagram, at Twisted Mug Media. We post some stuff there. Uh, very active on our Instagram, um, as that's where we have more followers. Uh, but if you follow us on Twitter, maybe we'll start putting out more content there. Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty great. It's pretty great stuff. Uh, it's where we post about all of our new releases. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. A lot of fun. Twisted Mug Media Network. Um, I think the last thing to go up on there was my Marvel's Avengers video that I reviewed when uh, that game came out for PS4 and other consoles. Um, I talked about some of the quirks of the game. It was a lot of fun, so go give us a like, hit us with the subscribe, hit that notification bell. Um, Yeah, I don't know. What do YouTubers say? Uh, Check us out on there. Um, Do we count? We we also have... We're YouTubers now. Mm. Uh, We also have a Letterboxd account. Um... Uh, several Logan runs a joint one uh, for the network, so you can find that. I think it's just Twist Among Media, right? Uh, Cinema Talk Podcast, or yeah. Cinema Talk Podcast. Yeah. Yes, thank and you. and if you just go there, we all have individual ones as well as Matt, who's not on right now. And if you go to the bio of the Cinema Talk Podcast one, you will be able to find all of our individual letterbox accounts. You can see what we're watching when we're not watching David Fincher or Charlie Kaufman or things that we're talking about on this show. Uh, yeah, and, and just one more quick thing that I wanted to say. Um, my, my good buddy Anania just reached a million followers on Did TikTok. He hit it. Good for uh, him. Yeah, he just got verified. Um, so I just I wanted to congratulate him on that. Uh, thanks, buddy. We're really signal uh, boosting for him. He's, he's really yeah, going really, to get there yeah, now exactly. because we, we mentioned him. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure if, if you don't know who he is, go check him out. He's a really funny guy. You've probably he, seen uh, him on your For You page if you have TikTok. You've probably seen him on your For You page. He's he's very popular. But uh, congratulations, buddy, and uh, here's to a million more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So come back and uh, go back and listen to all of our old shows if you haven't listened to some of them. And come back. Come um, back and go back. Come back and go back. Um, and, uh, yeah, make sure to check us out on all of those platforms. So... We will be back next week with Bean John Malkovich. Uh, So thanks so much for listening, guys. I'm Ryan. I'm Brendan. And I'm Logan. And we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. Never uh, never came in someone's eye before. I'm not going to lie. I've also not ever come in someone's eye, and I've never had my eye. I've never, yeah, along with Logan, I've never been cummed on in my eye. Well, on both accounts, you guys are missing out.